Hey guys, welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. Uh, this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Um, and as this might be somebody's uh, first Rankin Vile podcast, I'd like to quickly go over the format, which is that we try to rank every single horror movie ever, and that means that we add a few movies to every episode and talk about its strengths and weaknesses, yell about it a lot, make obscene jokes, and then try to tuck it into our shambolic list of dozens of movies and figure out... Uh, a number ranking for it, and by adding three movies every week, we hope to rank every single horror movie uh, in the known universe until the day we all sink to hell. And it's also important to note that we also get them all wrong. Oh, and almost 100%. every time when we stop recording, I go to bed and say, oh, "We done goofed. That wasn't no microwave massacre's way too high on the list. What have we? What have we done?" <laughs> it's it's hubris. And also on this episode, we are joined by fashion mogul and sartorial renegade Big Boot from Big Boot Leg Drop. How's it going, man? And it's doing. You know, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm stoked. It's been a while since I've talked horror movies at all really so oh, very good. pretty stoked yeah I, I hope this is a good venue for that at least yeah so yeah, me too. tell me about growing up in parts unknown big boot um what was it like for you as a kid and how did horror movies and spooky stuff uh form your uh the the tag team champion that you are today well i Horror movies were weird, so I have a few horror movie memories from when I was growing up. I remember being maybe like five or six and staying in an apartment in a very uh, a very large city in the, in the south of parts unknown, mm-hmm. not dissimilar to London uh in england and we're with a whole bunch of family who i'd never met before because they were all from like a, a side of the family i'd never seen and catching some of a nightmare on elm street i don't know which one it was the only thing i can really remember is at one point freddie opens his jacket or he pulls his sweater up and there are lots of little freddie faces on his torso oh that'll be part three well there you go so i remember that and then i remember being probably eight years old and me and some other like a a kid in my class at school uh one of his grandparents died and i remember me and another kid just made all these drawings about someone dying (laughs) because we'd been talking about someone dying in the class and we got in trouble for it and i remember my mom said no more horror movies for x amount of time even though horror movies weren't really a big thing in our household and I immediately went um, within days and went to a friend's house to watch Critters on VHS. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I love Critters. Which somehow, yeah, it was awesome. And somehow she found out about that. Um, and then there were a lot of things I did. Like when I, when I moved out of my mom's house, I, I moved out like pretty early on. And then it was kind of in my mid-20s. I was like, hold on a minute. There's all this cool stuff that I can do now that I hadn't done because my mom was lame. Right. And uh, part of that was horror movies. And it was right at the time of like the kind of where J-horror was, was a real big thing. So there was lots of like audition and The Ring and oh, Grudge yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and that was also about the time that um, the funny games came out when I was still, still very kind of early 20s and edgy and stuff that was gory and unsettling was, was, was my jam. Um, pretty much until Funny Games came along. 
so <laughs> very good which especially like j-horror i mean it, it's such a fun thing to come to when you're young because especially like the stuff that's scary to people in japanese culture i think is very different from stuff that's going to be scary to like your average like sort of dumb either european or american teen and mm-hmm. i think it's such a cool thing to get into and and it, it's it's like frightening in a way that it's like i'm not sure why certain things are supposed to be frightening but i absolutely know that they are yeah yeah and it, it's weird dude and like japanese movies do this really weird thing with not just with the j horror stuff but with like a lot of the action stuff and the comedy movies that they make where if a formula works they just make essentially the same movie over and over and over and over and over and over and over again right um you know it was the same with chow and fat action movies and like john woo movies and then you know the ring and um was the was the grudge the one with the uh with the the water tower and the water leaking through oh uh that that, that was i think that's the dark ring. water wait what's up is that dark water that's it yes. oh dark, like water. dark water yeah 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 where they just you know they recycle a lot of aspects from like the ring and the grudge and stuff like that and so it, it's i always found that fascinating how you know japanese pop culture will just if something works they will just milk it but people don't go off it the same way the same way you know young viewers might do in in europe or america right and especially so, in america so just, oh go ahead i was just gonna say it just gets really weird it just gets even weirder because they just they just don't stop making more and more of what is essentially the same thing and then it just gets really bizarre right it gets it gets so mutated on the like with the variations mm. of it that by the end of it it's it's almost unrecognizable yeah and speaking of making more and more of the exact same thing we're going to talk about the 2007 version of funny games which is Correct me if I'm wrong. A shot-for-shot remake of the 1997 version. Yeah, done Pretty by done by the guy who did the original. Yeah, yeah. He um he made it in 1997. I think there were a lot of things that I I think he there are certain aspects of it um like the kind of almost scream-like kind of movie in a movie references. Um, that I think he was time-wise, he was spot on in 1997. Mm-hmm. That I think maybe were a little bit outdated come 2007. I don't really know why they remade it. You know that because he did. He built the same set. He used the same soundtrack. He translated it himself um, into English. And yeah, it's it, it's you know as much as it's a movie that's really important to me. It, I can appreciate that it was a completely pointless exercise in <laughs> in movie making completely. Because yeah. it's so bizarre that it also, I don't think it made much money at all because it's a really weird, unappealing movie in almost every way possible. On purpose, kind of. Mm. And I wonder if it's just the studio saying, look, this movie worked, so do it with uh, Tim Roth and Naomi Watts and we'll get money. Kind of like the same way that uh, it reminds me a lot of The Grudge because The Grudge is directed, the American Grudge is directed by the exact same director as Juon that right. just made him put white people in Japan. And it, I think yeah. it's um, Mr. Boot, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, how I fear that American audiences need white waspy american people to care about a plot in oh i mean how are you gonna that's how, what studios think i mean how are you gonna empathize with someone who's not a white american yeah, yeah. and I, like <laughs> it's weird like a, a, a bit sake. of me 
a bit of me understands that because you you do need to make it somewhat relatable to its audience. But I think when it gets quite niche, with and I think horror movies in particular, you don't need recognizable faces in horror movies. No, you know? no. Like yeah. especially like you know, as soon as you say like say with with the the ring or the grudge, as soon as you say. You know, this has been adapted or, or remade from from the original, you know, Japanese horror. People mm-hmm. are either switched off or not. I don't think it matters who's in it at all. Yeah. You know, I think I think with horror fans more than probably anything else, horror fans will go and see horror movies. You know. Yeah, like the fact that it's horror, it's not going to be you know, oh god, this is a Hong Kong horror movie. Oh no, no, thank you, and you're going to try yourself out. Like, no, it's a horror movie. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and but definitely, especially fair, like having think... having Tim Roth and Naomi Watts in this is almost kind of funny because first of all, t- if Tim Roth is wailing in pain, I am never not thinking about Reservoir Dogs. Um, Poor dude, I think he came out of Funny Games way worse. Oh yeah, apparently Just... he was like scarred by the experience of making it because the kid in Funny Games looks like his kid in real life. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that he, he was he was pretty fucked up. And then also Naomi Watts's face, I feel like. Once they realized, like, how agonized she can make her face look, they were like, oh, we need her for funny games. Yeah, it's... Because I, I, I think... Yeah, I think throughout the movie, that's one of the things that stuck with me, was just how... How much of a wimp Tim Roth comes across as. Mm-hmm. And, and it's completely understandable, like, in that scenario. Like, you know, the... It's just awful, and he comes out of it looking way worse and way sort of broken and traumatized and damaged and mm-hmm. in pain than he does in Reservoir Dogs, where he spends the whole movie bleeding to death. You know? yeah, right. But do you think that's, like, an important thing in horror where, like, the dad figure has to be shown as, like, ineffective and effete and, like, that whole, you know, the whole nihilism of horror, there is no God, your dad can't save you, you're just fucked. Like, what's scarier than saying, hey, your dad, who's supposed to be this person who's big and strong and protect you, is gonna fail? I think that is absolutely a part of, of Funny Games. Um, and I think it's absolutely a part of the the, uh, the two... I don't know if you'd call the, the two... Um, attackers protagonists or antagonists actually in funny games i don't know right <clears throat> well and also i just realized but I, that I do think it's exactly what they want to do um for the for the whole context of the whole family should we maybe explain the the the, the foundations of this movie yeah i feel like I, I feel like that could be good it'd be it would be to <laughs> we, give we a, just jumped right <laughs> we're just sort of jumping it. like let me tell you about this movie um so the summary of the movie uh for those who have not seen it is uh it's a standard uh home invasion thing where uh, it's this uh, well-to-do family that shows up to their vacation house and these creepy... Uh, imagine sort of Alexander Skarsgård as a, 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 a tiny Muppet version of himself, and it's him and his uh, sort of easily bullied crony uh, <clears throat> as they uh, sort of um, hold this family hostage and sort of psychologically torture them and, um, and then, like, you know, just beat the shit out of them. And then eventually... Um, I sh- I, should I give away the ending if we're? Well, I think we can. We can like the 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 concept of of, uh, of these two guys, which is um, uh, Paul and Peter, mm-hmm. the, the two protagonists, um, is that you get the impression from the opening scene and sort of things they talk about is that this 
almost gated community of all just these like high end middle class holiday vacations or holiday vacation homes um, mm-hmm. around the lake, and they're just kind of going from house to house, torturing and killing whoever they find, for right. for no other reason than they can. And it was kind of the mundanity of it that that I found so unsettling. Oh yeah, well, was, you if- know that it's not particularly gory and the vast mm-hmm. majority of the violence you don't even see. Yeah, it's done off they screen. They just talk about it or you hear it while it's happening off screen. But the mundanity and the kind of borderline boredom that these two kind of dressed all in white, weird looking uh, teenagers have while they're doing these things mm-hmm. is just what, what I found so terrifying. You know, they just, they spend the night you know, torturing and, you know, I guess in some way slowly trying to murder this family. Mm-hmm. Biggie, have like you seen... Like they were just bored and watching a movie. Yeah. Huh? Biggie, have you seen uh, The Neon Dead yet? Uh, no, I'm sorry, not The Neon Dead, The Neon Demon. Neon Dead's a different uh, horror I, movie. I have not. Um, I've read so... a lot about it. I'm, I'm scared of that movie simply because... Um, what was What was his last movie? With Ryan Gosling. Um, oh, Nicholas Winding Ruffin. Oh, Only yeah. God Forgives. Yeah, that was awful. I couldn't handle it. Like, <laughs> I love Drive, but Only God Forgives, I just could not handle. And I have well, not, then um, I would recommend I you skip this one. <laughs> I, I would not have forgiven him either. Like, that was, yeah, that movie was unforgivable. Yeah. Like, I, it, it only God like Forgives wasn't that bad. It just wasn't so. as good as Drive. No, I mean, it looked beautiful, but I just felt like I was being mocked by... Nicholas Winden Refn and Ryan Gosling the whole time. Which is true, I think. I think that's actually <laughs> yeah, what they were they were like, let's go fuck with some some people and, and make them feel bad. Yeah. But um, I think and I just yeah, I, I'm I'm not into it. So <laughs> although I've heard great things about Neon Demon, um I'm still not convinced. Mm-hmm. Well I think what makes it work is again that banality of evil. You know, this is this it's it's seedy Hollywood everything is dark and screwed up, but everyone just acts like it's the norm. And I think a lot of horror is all about forcing an audience into that normal space. And, like, um, I also am reminded of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, where it's like, yeah, this is just a dude who's on a road trip, and, oh, by the way, he's killing people along the way. And, like, every step of the way, the director's just saying, fuck you, and, like, subverting everything you Mm -hmm. expect is going to happen in that movie. Yeah, and that was, like, the... When I mentioned the kind of... I guess you could call them, like, the the screamisms, the kind of self-referential aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. that happened a couple of times. And I remember going and watching this movie in, in, in the, the cinema, like in the movie theater. And, you know, there were a couple of moments when um, they, the, the protagonists or antagonists, Peter and Paul, where they stop, like mid-torturing this family to address you in the audience specifically. Right. And on a couple of occasions where, I mean, I guess I was just like the perfect audience for this movie because... I genuinely did feel like they were addressing me for watching this movie and you know they're calling you out for wanting to see these people get brutalized and get tortured and kind of blaming you as the audience for putting them through it and there's even a moment when you think something great is going to happen and they just stop everything and you know, they stop everything. They they refer to you, you know, through the screen and, and through through the fourth wall, and uh, and then everything just goes back on as normal. 
just when you thought you were getting some kind of respite from it. Right. Well, and, and honestly, like the fact that um, one of the things that I appreciated uh, so much about it, because I don't know if I like funny games. Like, I don't know that I'm going to put it on just, uh, you know, as a fun thing to, to have on in the background while I'm working on other things. Oh, no, absolutely not. But yeah, yeah. But uh, one thing that I really appreciated um, is that after, um, I would say that like the beginning of maybe the third act or so, um, they've uh, just murdered um, this, this family's kid. And then they go like, you know, eh, all right, I'm bored. You want to leave? Yeah. And then they wander out. And you get like probably half an hour of Naomi Watts and Tim Roth weeping and clutching each other and trying to yeah. like make sense of their lives after this. And there's no music for it. And it is slow and it is boring. And I kind of love that because like this is kind of just the fallout of what would happen if, if, if these things had happened. And then also it made yeah. me think of uh, this um, video game. I'm, I don't know if y'all have played it. Uh, Hotline Miami? Um, Definitely not. Oh, yeah, there we go. I haven't played Hotline. it, but I know about it because of its premise. Why don't you tell our listeners who haven't played it yet what the, the game's about? Oh, Hotline Miami is um, kind of the video game version of what Funny Games is trying to do, which is a critique of violence in, uh, in media. And basically you play, uh, it's, it takes place in the 1980s, and you're like this um, hitman who wears a, a series of animal masks, and you keep getting mysterious phone calls that'll, that'll tell you things like, hey, you know, you need to take out the laundry over at, like, you know, 53rd and Main or whatever. And you go over to these places, and you just lay fucking waste to scores of identical mooks, and it's bloody, and you have to figure out different ways of getting through a level and murdering people, and it's, for a pixelated retro throw rack game, super fucking graphic. And so, the thing that I appreciated about Hotline Miami that Funny Games does, is that when you get to the end of a level, because um, the soundtrack on Hotline Miami is fucking baller as hell, it's just pounding and great, and then once you finish the level, the music cuts, and you have to make your way back through the level back to your car. And you're just passing bodies after bodies. Like, you, you, and it, it's basically the, the game looking at you and going, like, dude, you, what the fuck? You killed all these people. And, and, yeah, and you, you know, did all this. yeah, that's, this is, my God, what's wrong with you? Do you like games like this? And I, I think Funny Games kind of does that too, where it's like, you, you want to see these people get hurt. And, and when it gives you the board, you know, the, the half an hour of boredom of Naomi Watts and Tim Roth, like, trying to make sense of their broken lives after this when they show back up i felt like a monster because i was like oh finally yeah yeah and and uh, yeah and i think it you know michael haneke has i mean his career i don't know if you've seen any of his other movies um but his that's his mo absolutely is to kind of torture you in the audience for wanting these things that he's putting on screen mm-hmm. um and i think yeah, it's just, it, like you said, like with just when you think with exactly what you were just saying with the scene where, you know, you just have Naomi Watts and Tim Roth and they think it's over. Mm-hmm. And um, and then these two guys just show back up again and you've just had 30 minutes of, of, Suffering. Kind of calm and, and retrospect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are moments when you feel like they're also going to escape and they just kind of show up again and... Just every time you think things are going okay, it ruins it, but not in that kind of like, not in that jumpy, typical horror movie way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no kind of jump scares, there's no dramatic score, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, 
yeah, it's just unsettling from from start to finish. Right. And I think and it's important to remember that this came out in aught seven, which was really the big heyday of the mid two thousands torture porn horror. Like this is right mm-hmm. when the best grossing movies were Saw and Hostel. So is it you know Haneke saying, "Oh, I'll give you that, but let me you know make you whack my what finger you're at watching you for liking too. it." Yeah, because I wasn't there. Um... What's the what's the name of the dude who um, played Cyclops in the first few X Men movies? Wasn't there a home invasion movie around oh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, with him in that this... was almost exactly the same premise? Mm-hmm. But well, it and... was it it was ran as just a regular old horror movie. Was it the was it the Strangers with? Um... Yes, I yeah, think that was Liv it. Tyler. Yeah. And, yeah, and and that's my yeah. thing is like home invasion movies fuck my shit up real bad. Oh, and, me too. They're terrible. Yeah, and, and and Christina also can't really do home invasion movies, and I love her reasoning, which is, oh, God, I have a home. <laughs> Where, like, <laughs> yeah. a lot of these movies, you can watch the thing because you're not living on a fucking Antarctic, you know, base with, a, with an alien monster, but people breaking into your home and doing horrible things, that's a relatively plausible thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, when, it, when it's presented in the way of funny games, when it's presented in such a mundane almost natural way you know there's there's nothing that happens in that movie that makes you feel like you can separate the 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 whole premise from oh, yourself yeah. at all well and also you know, the, and, like and also it, going back to the banality i think one of my favorite bits in this is when um during the scene when the when the kid gets killed uh either pete is i don't know if peter or paul is the uh the the head uh guy in this but one of them goes to the kitchen for a thing, and you hear all this stuff happening from the other room. There's screaming, a kid gets shot, there's weeping, there's struggle. Guy is just calmly making a sandwich, and then comes back. And it's, I think it's just the banality of it. And also, with the meta thing, the, the, the climax of the movie is that, um, because when you watch these movies, you're waiting for that... Uh, babyface comeback, right? Like, you're waiting for the, the sequence where, yeah, you know, the protagonist kind of bests their attacker and makes them fucking pay for what they've done. And this movie starts, to, like, acts like it's going to give you that, and then literally pulls some bullshit where the guy finds a remote, rewinds the, the movie to the point before Naomi Watts is able to, you know, rent, you know, rest the shotgun from the table and shoot the other guy. And then snatch it away before she can do it. And it denies you that. I got real fucking pissed the first time I watched this. Yeah, I felt like that was a direct call out to me. I was like the only dude in this weird little cinema um, (laughs) in Edinburgh in Scotland where I lived at the time. Mm -hmm. And I felt responsible completely Mm -hmm. for that. And I was so mad. (laughs) I was so mad. But I, I was so obsessed with this movie and all like stuff Michael Haneke has done for years like like i said like i watched that movie uh, so i saw the remake first and like i i my first night after that i definitely had nightmares oh yeah and you know i saw it a couple more times in the movie theater um i saw I, you know i made a point of seeing as all of his other movies that i that i could have access to right and like I was obsessed with it to the point where so so these two so Peter and Paul the the, the two um, protagonists they're they're all dressed in tennis whites 
you know, they have the white shoes, the white shorts, white polo shirts, mm-hmm. white, uh, like, eczema gloves. Mm-hmm. And this movie was pretty much all I talked about for for a good few weeks, probably a couple of <laughs> months afterwards, with, with anyone who would who would bother to listen. <laughs> right. And I was invited to a, a, a 21st birthday party of a girl that I used to work with. So I, I don't worked with her for, for a year or two at this point. But a friend of mine was still working with her. And he was like, look, you know, I've been invited to her 21st party. I've got to go because I work with her. But I don't want to go because I don't like anyone. Can you just come to this party with me? You know, she said, you know, it would be cool for you to come because she hasn't seen you for a while. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to go. It was in like a place that I didn't like. And, you know, I was the same. I was like, I don't really care about any of these people. Right. But I was like, I'll go. But I'm going to be a dick. And I'm going to (laughs) do stuff that that will entertain me. So I went and I bought white shorts and white shoes and white shorts, <laughs> white polo shirt and the white eczema gloves. My God. And, and so and I made a point of walking to this party. It was about a 40-minute walk through, through Edinburgh, through the city to get to this party, mm-hmm. which, I, which I didn't have an official invite to. I had just you know, <laughs> been invited by my friend who had been invited. And I got there to this 21st birthday party. And I'd, I'd, I'd called the venue ahead of time to be like, look, I'm going to show up dressed like this and I, I gave him some excuse about how I was going you know to some costume party afterwards and mm-hmm. you know like would you let me in if I'm dressed like an idiot and they were like yeah, yeah it's fine and I got there and it turned out that the theme for the party was black and gold so everyone else in this venue was wearing black so you stuck and, out like a potato chip and a bowl of pretzels yeah and like her mom was drunk and her mom kept trying to kick me out saying that I'd like ruined her night. But I committed. Like I didn't take my wallet because my wallet was black. I drank white wine all night. <laughs> I was just a total dick about it. You were it. living the fucking gimmick is what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's you know, um, that's, that's how, how, how much I was into this movie that I ruined some girl's 21st birthday party. Excellent. And, so where okay. do you want to put it on our list? I, I would like to put it right up at the top simply because uh, it's the only film that's ever given me nightmares, and that's what horror movies should do. Absolutely. So I feel like every other horror movie I've ever seen has failed because none of the others have ever given me nightmares. Well, there we go. Because I feel like if I were going to uh, look for... I feel uh, like it should be right at the top or right at the bottom. Yeah, there we go. See, because uh, like the, the movie I would most closely liken it to would be Blue Ruin. Yeah, I was thinking um, Blue Ruin too. Um, I'm gonna recuse myself because I have not finished watching it, but I was thinking Blue Ruin is the same kind of examination of violence and like. Exactly. Are you sure that this is a fun thing to watch? Because in Blue Ruin, you're like, yeah, kill him, and then you're like, oh wait, they think that they're do- they're the heroes. So like, like he's he's a monster anyway. kind of. Right. He's really terrible. <laughs> right. Oh man, yeah. I would. I, I. I. think I would put this above Blue Ruin. Okay. Would you put it above Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, that's a hell of a question. Uh, Big Boo. I'd what put do you it think? above Audition for sure. Above really? Audition is significantly more unsettling than Audition. Shit. There we go. Then what about? I mean, Fantastic? Audition had a lot of that kind of weird mundane, mundane horror. Also, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm oh, remembering yeah. that right. You know, where just really awful things being presented in this really boring way, and that's what made them really unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. Oh, by the way, there's a guy who lives in a sack that eats cat food. No big deal. No, yeah. no, th- no that eats vomit. Oh, vomit! Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Quincy, get it to get, get it together, will you? 
Um, yeah, I, it's definitely in that block, I think. Okay, well, and, and of course, is I... It, is it... Hmm. So what's the ceiling? What is it absolutely not better than? Hmm. Definitely, I think Green Room is better than Funny Games. Okay, so now... And do you think Funny Games is better than Reanimator and Return of the Living Dead? That's a fucking. That's a question. Um, I, I would. I think I would, for the the Friday night hmm. test, Return of the Living Dead always wins. Oh, the Friday night test. Yeah, yeah. well, because no one's ever going to really go back and watch Funny Games ever again. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like I feel like if you put that on at a party, that's you know, you're you're gonna everybody's gonna sort of quietly peter off and and leave. <laughs> yeah. It's but, not I a. Mean, is yeah. this list all time favorites or is it? If you went down this line in order, this is what the order you need to see these films and make oh. sure, like, for priority. Like, well, this list is fucking see Alien, Ball, first of definitely all. Definitely see The Babadook. Right. I This list is kind of I Calvin Ball more than anything. As, as an experiment in filmmaking, um, I think it should be pretty high up on the list because there, there are not a whole lot of other films that you would put on this kind of list that, that tick off those kind of you know, experimental kind of boxes. That's a good question. Know? Like, definitely points for pushing the boundaries and kind of seeing what it can try to get away with. Okay, so in terms of pushing genre boundaries, Scream, is it better than Scream? Mm, I would say no. No, I, I would I would agree. Scream is still fantastic. Oh, I rewatched yeah. all the Scream movies probably about a year ago um, and really enjoyed every single one of them. Yeah, I, I also stand for all four Screams. Well, maybe not Scream 3, but I'm I'm still fine with Scream 3. (laughs) Is Scream 3 the one where they make the movie, or is that Scream 2? Well, that's that's all of them after Scream 1, but... Yeah, Scream 2, the the movie, is coming out as Scream 2 starts. Mm -hmm. And then I think Scream 3, they're making the movie about what happens in Scream 2... (laughs) Or they're right, right. remaking the first movie from Scream Two. Right, they're like, on. Is it a remake yeah. or a sequel? Yeah, I think they're doing Stab Stab Two or Stab Three by Scream Three. But yeah, yeah. like, but Scre- yeah, right. No, Scream Three is the one that features Patrick Warburton uh, dying in a bus. So <laughs> that's that's not for nothing. Okay, um, so Funny Games or Suspiria? Ooh, Suspiria. in terms of like directors. I, I, I mean, think... I'm Argento trash, but. I, I, you know, going back to not forgiving directors, um, <laughs> I, w- I will, I, th- I think Argento has written off his entire back catalog with that Dracula movie that he made. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all a wash for you now. Uh, yeah, I think he has. Oh, did he make it? Or did his daughter make it? No, he made it. He did make it. Um, yeah. Her movies have always still at least had some kind of redeeming weird arty experimental quality but that dracula movie that he made was just awful yeah i think it ruined a lot of his <laughs> a lot of his back catalog okay so let's me. talk about heebie-jeebie factors in suspiria that girl falls into a room with a razor wire floor mm-hmm. and just rides like a like a broken slinky it is <laughs> it is oh, oh, oh nice it is it is fucking hard to watch 
so would you rather watch a girl getting sliced to ribbons by razor wire or Naomi Watts weeping for 30 minutes? Man, I'd rather watch Suspiria because I think Naomi Watts, like, there's... I, I think the point of the thing is the banality of it, that this is just what a human being would look like while suffering and going through this. Um, and it, it's not quite as mag like sensational or stylized as a floor that is razor wire. That is true. You know, Tim Roth getting hit with a golf club off screen doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the same visual flair. <laughs> yep. So what if we put it under? And again, I'm recusing myself because I haven't seen it all the way through. But what if we put it under Suspiria and above Green Room? Because Green Room does have some logic problems. Why the fuck do they do anything that they do in that movie? That's a fair point, actually. Yeah, it's I feel fun to watch. But come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel good about number 10. Okay, so new number 10 is Funny Games, the 2007 remake also directed by Michael Haneke. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Pool Party Massacre, which is a hot new <laughs> indie film. Um, the director, Drew Marvick, was cool enough to send us a screener. This is currently on VOD. If you're on Amazon, you can get that. This movie is also available on white VHS in a clamshell. Um, yes. Oh, the VHS catch is them beautiful. On the I, I saw that today. You can get that. Mm -hmm. uh, Drew Marvick, let's talk about how uh, much of a genius in marketing he is. This poster uh, immediately sold me on this movie. Oh, I mean, for God's sake, they've got a pixel art intro set to horse oh, the band. Yeah. Yeah, everything about this movie is is awesome this is like i think for me i i kind of lose these kind of like pastiche sort of knowing sort of nudge nudge wink wink horror mm -hmm. movies like homages to like the 80s and stuff they tend to lose my interest pretty quickly a lot of the time mm -hmm. um this one absolutely did not um i thought it was really nicely shot and i just like you said like everything around the movie you know you can get headless bikini wearing you know action figures yeah uh, enamel <laughs> pins and vhs like you said like the the big old school like blockbuster style cases and mm -hmm. yeah it's everything about this movie was just a ton of fun it's the kind of movie where i was watching I, it and i was thinking he gets it He's not yeah. doing this as like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, I'm going to be ironic. It's a, no, I really like this kind of movie. And I also feel like the cast and crew were having fun during this shoot, and you can kind of mm -hmm. tell that oh, like, absolutely. it doesn't take itself too seriously. <clears throat> well, and honestly, like between a movie like Pool Party Massacre, uh, which for me occasionally did lean a little bit into sort of wink wink nudge nudge territory a little too hard but that's because i'm a you know snobby prick but i would i, I massively prefer pool party Mass massacre to a thing like fender bender um which is uh, a throwback uh, early 80s slasher that's available on uh, shutter uh right now What's up, shutter it, thank you for our free hey, subscriptions <laughs> um and it, it fender bender takes itself excruciatingly seriously and it's it's also not a very good movie. So between that and Pool Party Massacre, this goes down smooth, trim hour and a half. It's ridiculous. And it's also it got it... Cameron Lee Vamp, the vampire woman. Um, no, no, that's that's not the right person. Pardon me. 
Cameron Lee Vamp, I think, is some uh, hardcore dude. He was the pool guy. Yes. Oh, there we go. Uh, What is he from? Liana Vamp. No idea. There's another. No, I was I was trying to figure that out today, and and his Instagram and social media is all just him him and his wife being like cool punk rock folk. So I I couldn't quite figure out exactly. So maybe he's just a cool dude that we should try to get friends with. (laughs) Yeah, but I I like that. It was clearly, like you said, it was clearly made by people who were just fans of this. Like, it's made by, like, beardy, tattooed punk dudes right. who just grew yeah. up watching trashy horror movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's a wild, trashy horror movie with, like, ridiculous kills. I almost feel like we don't even necessarily need to explain the plot of a movie called Pool Party Massacre. It is exactly cause... what's on the tin. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I can think... I talk about how Kristen Noel McCusick, uh, the girl that played Blair, like I feel like she's on the track to at least starring in some really great genre movies. Oh, one hundred percent. Like she she's really good in this. And um the guy who played Clay, the Dork brother, like, he was a real hoot too. Like I think what's great about this movie is I think they they realized their budget was really low and their acting pool was very limited, but they kind of leaned into that with this kind of schlocky movie. So, like, even if a line falls flat or an actor doesn't really deliver very well, it kind of mm-hmm. plays into the charm. And I yeah. think that there's enough uh, people just being goofballs in this movie that it totally works. Like, um, when Jasmine says that girl is a ratchet hoe, and you're like, that line is really sold well. Well, I think... like Or the... Clay saying, you know, do you want a dirty Sanchez? <laughs> that, that conversation went on for so long. I was praying for death, actually, during that conversation. <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake, can we move it along to the murder now, please? Like... No, but the comic timing of the girl saying... Um, what, what is the girl's name? The, the final girl. Crystal Stoney? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, does that actually work? And he's like, no. <laughs> right, but it, like I, I think you know, I, I mentioned it um, earlier today. I think the biggest point of reference for this movie for me was Clerks and Kevin Smith. Oh, there we go. Like, it's it's absolutely obvious that you know Drew Marvick is like a huge Kevin Smith fan. Mm-hmm. You know, it it had, you know, you were talking about um, Nick Byer's character Clay. He is basically Randall from Clerks. Right. You know, yeah. he talks too much. <laughs> He's annoying as fuck. He's crude. He he goes on that whole um, sort of diatribe about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, <laughs> which you could just pull from. You could you could implant that into any Kevin Smith movie. Oh, completely. And it and it, and it would fit perfectly. Um, it basically looks like Clerks Two, like it has the same kind of color palette. Um, and yeah, it's. I, I think he pulled a lot of influences from from Kevin Smith from as far as like like you were saying um, knowing that no one was really very good at the jobs they had been given right so everyone just kind of leaned into what would at least make what they were doing a bit more entertaining yeah um, you know I I'm, In, I'm the hard part is I'm looking at the IMDB and nobody has pictures so I'm all the characters' names are oh, Dora and Kelly and stuff Not like only that. does the website look great, um, 
it's actually got a cast page that I'm looking at to make sure I get everyone's names right. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I'm going to have to great, switch to that. It, it's because, got great portraits of everyone. Yeah, because, um, man, the the cast is all, like, they all have, like, really shining moments, I feel like. And that puggle. Can we talk about that puggle? Uh, I, 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 that was my favorite part of the movie, actually, was just this puggle looking unimpressed with everything and hanging out. And then eating pizza off of a dead person's body. Like, that's what I want. Okay, so here's who I'm trying to... Leanna Vamp is Mrs. Stevens. And actually, I think the pool boy is um, her husband. So, like, she's a vampire model. And Alexis Adams is a porn star. Mm Mm-hmm. The the girl... uh, She plays Tiffany, the girl that gets tied to the bed. Like, actual porn star. Right. Which so, I, anyway. uh, which for a movie like this, I mean, I, I I love that that was just sort of like, yeah, she's a porn actor who gives a shit. Anyway, she's in a slasher, like. Yeah, and she's got some of the best lines in the movie because they're like, you know what? Fine, we'll just <laughs> give that to her. Hey, do you mind being yeah. topless? Um, speaking of being but topless, I... this movie. This is a very titsy movie. There is there it is just fucking wall to wall. Um, which by the way, don't uh, I I made the mistake of watching this at work. Um, on on one of my monitors so I kept having to like switch tabs frantically to get away from I am never more graceful and quick than when I'm switching away from something with tits on it uh, on my monitor at work (laughs) I I become a fucking superhero for those two seconds you're playing a dangerous game sir (laughs) (laughs) really taking my life and my job into my hands for this podcast I I do it for the podcast at 6am this morning oh there we go um because I just I, I wanted to make sure like I, I'm a big procrastinator, um, and I also I didn't I didn't want to watch these movies too long ago and sleep too much mm-hmm. in between and kind of forget about them. So I got up early this morning, um, and watched this early this morning with a coffee. Very over, good. Over some scrambled eggs. <laughs> that's that's so that that's your 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 fucking morning is taken care of. Like that's you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I, 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 like, legitimately had a blast. Like I said, like, the kind of ironic um, sort of knowing B-movie horrors, or B-movie movies just in general, um, I tend to find quite often miss the mark of what made the movies their pastiche and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I think this one just pulled it all off really, really well. Yeah, and yeah, I want to totally make it agree. clear, we're not going to spoil this movie because it's brand new and it's totally worth your five bucks to just rent it on VOD. But the ending makes this movie. Like, it was fine, it was fun, and then the ending, it, like, clicks in a perfect sort of way. And Yeah, and, yeah. and it's weird because I, I, had, I had read somewhere... Um, just digging around online that there was a kind of big twist and I genuinely did not see it coming at all. Yeah, yeah. me neither. It was, it's real good. So, um, another thing I was thinking about with this is uh, where to put it on the list. And it reminds me a lot of Murder Party because I feel like Drew Marvick is going to get a little bit more budget, a little bit bigger production company, and we're all going to look back and say, but remember how great Pool Party Massacre was? And, Mm -hmm. you know, Murder Party really gets talked about because it's the guy that did Green Room's first movie. Right. So, I would put it in that neck of the list, but now I'm wondering if that's way too low 
on the I actually list. I actually tell you I actually tell you where I um where I, I I feel like I know this has to go and it's better than Murder Party not as good as Neon Maniacs Not as good as Neon Maniacs I think I I think Neon Maniacs is more successful at the thing it's trying to do which is just having maniacs that are neon colored Correct yes it's better at that specific <laughs> thing but also uh, for it just being like a fucking wet and wild dumb horror movie, fucking, uh, yeah, I, I because at least for me, um, I, I think while I really liked Pool Party Massacre, there were some moments where I was kind of like, like the fucking Dirty Sanchez conversation that made me subtract like two points from this movie score out of ten, <laughs> where it was just like you, well, it was that, and then also moments of like, oh, we need to go into this character's backstory, and it was very sort of like I don't. I don't, I don't care. Why isn't somebody getting killed with a power drill? Jesus. Yeah, I also felt like some of the casting, although most of it was really great, some of the actors just couldn't deliver their lines clearly. Correct. Like, I couldn't understand what they were saying, which, how do I say that without, like, sounding like a jerk? Like, you know, project and get it, you know... <laughs> Try harder. But here's, but then obviously there's the is that a feature and not a bug of Pool Party Massacre? And the answer is probably not. But let's say it is anyway because fuck it. Yeah, yeah, because it is really fun. And mm -hmm. you know there was a part where I do agree it's got some pacing issues because it is a trim um, hour and twenty minutes. But still, does it need the you know? what could have been on the editing room floor and what could have been replaced, you know, how much of this had to be there. But it's still really good. So, mm -hmm. Drew, um, you can put this on the DVD copy better than um, The Island of Dr. Moreau, better <laughs> than Castle Freak, better than Undertaker, He Buries Them Alive on DVD from <laughs> WWF Home Entertainment. Better than so Peter Cushing nothing, in yeah. Horror Express. That's a fucking, that's a feather in your cap. Or you could just say, fuck it, we're better than Murder Party. <laughs> oh, no, this is definitely better than Murder Party. This does, this made me so much less angry than Murder Party. So you're saying this really isn't better than The Curse with Will, Will Wheaton? No, it's probably better than that, but I absolutely will not rank it any higher than Hardware. You okay, rank is it than better than House of a Thousand Corpses? Do we want to help Drew out that much with his DVD I think sales? it's better than House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> I, you know I did not want to bring that up because I was a little bit concerned you would kick me off the show. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, no, that's fair. I think this is important because I also want to book Drew on this mm. show, and I think this really like cinches the deal. Like He's got to make time for us if we say he's better Absolutely. than Rob Zombie. Better than and also and the thing because... Is, I like that movie, but I don't like Rob Zombie movie fans. I'm into saying fuck you to House of a Thousand Corpses. And uh, saying, I, I, I myself massacre. stand I myself stand for Rob Zombie a little more than I'd care to because I really, really like Halloween too for some reason. But <laughs> that's I the worst one. About it. My, no, my incorrect. Issue with, with my issue is how with House of a Thousand Corpses is and I is there's just there's no there's no weight to it. It's just right. a bunch of awful shit. Yeah, it's and, a music like, I know, like Captain Spaulding is fun and whatever, mm -hmm. but it's just and, and you know, Devil's Reject is more of the same. 
It's like this is a bunch of shit from House of a Thousand Corpses, but in you know the sunshine. Yeah, it's right? a, it, it's a slip and slide through a haunted house with and like scary skeletons leaping out, yelling at you. The yeah. only thing that I think really goes for House of a Thor- Thousand Corpses, House of a Thousand Thorpses, is um, Thorpses. <laughs> the only thing it's got going for it is Doctor Satan, because you're watching that movie going what. <laughs> And what? frankly, yeah. I think the twist in Pool Party Massacre is better than Dr. Satan. Yeah, I would. Yeah, as, as far as baddies go, absolutely. I got yeah. more enjoyment out of that. And, you know, there's something to be said about, like, indie cred and giving the scrappy young start. Because I really do think that this is going to be an artifact in his career. Like, I think he's got places to go and he needs... He definitely has shown what he can do with just Kickstarter funding. So what, get a studio behind him, and he's going to go places. Yeah, this is proof of concept. Like, this is, all right, now give this guy money and see what he can do. Yeah, so, okay, Drew, um, and all of the rest of our listeners, coming in at number 38, better than House of a Thousand Corpses is Pool Party Massacre. Yeah. So our third Excellent. film nothing, nothing has actually been provided to us by our friends at The Asylum. It is Two-Headed Shark Attack. That's right. Yep. The Asylum gave us a review copy of Two-Headed Shark Attack. <laughs> Hell yeah. We are here to talk about it. Featuring Carmen Electra, Brooke Hogan, and the Malto Meal Bag Cereal uh, Aaron Eckhart, Charlie O'Connell. <laughs> he is he is the Marshmallow Mateys version of... <laughs> Uh, Aaron Eckhart because he's got that that strong lantern jaw but he's you can, you can tell that this guy has listened to a lot of Michael Bolton you don't know when just, and you don't know how but you know he has real quickly there's just something I wanted to bring up about uh, to, to go back to Pool Party Massacre mm-hmm. when um, one of the, the characters I think it's Clay is um, he, he's looking for jerk off material and he's looking at family photos on the wall mm-hmm. and he sees a picture that he says is Blair um, the the I guess the lead character, and it's absolutely Jake Busey's high school photo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, I did not notice that. All right, all right, we've got we've got to rate it higher now. Purely nope, for Jake nope, Busey. It's already done. It is, it is absolutely. You'll need to go to to go back and double check this, or if anyone wants to, you know, any listeners want to double check that. Well, and come back. And, but yeah, the, and that's relatable. And that's relatable because who doesn't have a framed who doesn't have a framed photo of Jake Busey in their house? I mean, that's just <laughs> standard yeah. thing. But he looks at it and he doesn't even reference the fact that it's someone else. He just looks at it and goes, "Oh, blah. This is what you looked like in high school." Or, you know, something to that effect. And... Poor Blair. She suffered so much in high school looking like Jake Busey. So ah, we, we can move, we can move back on to uh, to two headed shark. <laughs> no, thank thank you for that vital. Uh, it, it was the the I, one so glad the I one that. note I actually physically wrote down. Was <laughs> <laughs> that one? Excellent. Um, so oh my god, two headed shark attack is from the asylum, who are best known for their mockbusters, um, transmorphers, snakes on a train. I don't feel like they've done any mockbusters in a long time though. Um, well, I'm here to tell you, Mr. Boot, uh, We I've been in close contact with the very friendly people at their studio. They've given me their release schedule. They're going strong with the uh, the, the mockbusters. There's Good. like Hobbit's Journey. Um, there's um, I actually, 
Uh, Ryan, talk about this movie so I can pull up this list of <laughs> upcoming projects. All right, so two-headed, two-headed shark attack. Uh, literally, the the movie is just what if a shark but two heads, and it's uh, about a ship full of nubile uh, CW actors on a boat who they keep assuring you are in college. Uh, and Carmen you Electra is there. You know why they're there. in college? They have a fucking beach ball that they're throwing around because they're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And, and they, so they're on a boat, and then uh, the movie opens with a bunch of uh, sort of Aeropostale models being uh, eaten by a CG shark with two heads. Uh, and then the uh, the boat gets fucked up. So then uh, for our, I think the entirety of the movie, it's uh, Charlie O'Connell and his shoebox-looking head yelling about how they need to find scrap metal. So they wander around looking for scrap metal, but not before doing a detour for a threesome in the ocean, during which two members of this threesome get eaten by a, by a separate shark attached to the same shark, which is what you want with a movie about a shark with two heads, I think. Uh, and then a bunch of bullshit happens, and then the shark blows up, and that's the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was my, my issue with this movie. So the, the, the things I, I took from this movie were I was... When when Brooke Hogan's name came up in the the, the opening credits, I was stoked. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her do any acting. I assumed she would be terrible. She right. is by far and away the best actor in this movie. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. She's great. She's she um she just doesn't clearly has no respect for the movie whatsoever. And all None. of her lines are just kind of thrown out in this really kind of blase way that I think actually lends them a little bit more weight and realism to the situation than any of the other actors um, who are genuinely trying to act. Oh, yeah, because you've got these other, again, sort of CW actors standing around delivering exposition, and it doesn't fucking work, because you've got them yelling like, oh, I thought the two-headed shark only existed in Guatemala, or whatever the fuck, and, you know, and sort of spouting all of this, uh, you know, all, all these helpful ocean facts. Yeah. And then you've got um, Brooke Hogan, you know, doing this the, the verbal equivalent of chain-smoking Virginia Slims while staring dead-eyed into yeah. your fucking and soul. like, you know, every sentence she utters, she shrugs. Or like slaps her hips, or like like every single thing that she says, she just Brooke Hogan doesn't give a fuck. Let's remember the asylum put out just this month, Alien Convergence. I'm so mad right now. I'm no, it looks great. the The synopsis is when flying reptilian creatures wreak havoc all over the world. The survivors' only hope of stopping them is new, say the art fighter jet fighter jets piloted by the only team that knows how to use technology. Naturally. They yeah. also <laughs> put out how to use any technology, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any technology at all, yeah. They also put out Atlantic Rim. <laughs> oh my god, damn it! This That's is in the eighteen-year-old virgin. <laughs> I'm. You can't see it, but I'm pouring a drink right now. Um, they also put out a movie called Cargo that's basically the cars, but but made by the, the asylum. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were gonna say it was Fargo, but with cars instead of people. Like it was. I mean, it might Fargo be. With... I thought you were gonna say Sharknado, but instead of sharks, it's cars. D- right? Yeah, Carnado. No, it's you know, a young car sort of... learns the importance of family when he embarks on a mission to, res- to rescue his father. So it's basically um, the Fast and the Furious, but instead of people driving cars, it's cars being fast and furious. 
I thought it was going to be cars driving people for a moment and was very excited. <laughs> I mean, anything is possible. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah, listen, these God, guys, God is dead and there's these a guys know what they're doing. And what they're doing is getting our money uh, for, a, you know, an hour and a half. If you if you sit down to knowingly watch a movie called Two Headed Shark Attack featuring Carmen Electra, Brooke Hogan, and Charlie O'Connell, you know what the fuck you're getting into. You okay, but have, I, it didn't give me anything that I wanted from that exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah, that explain. was my issue. Was like I said, like apart from the the pleasant surprise of Brooke Hogan's uh, acting abilities, um, my sort of weird mandala effect moment where I couldn't quite understand how Charlie O'Connell wasn't Jerry O'Connell. Um, <laughs> it is very upsetting. And uh, it just, uh, there wasn't enough two-headed shark. It, it wasn't right. knowing enough. And I know, you know, we just talked about Pool Party Massacre and, you know, I'd kind of said all the pastiches, uh, there's too much kind of winking and too much kind of irony. This one just didn't yeah. have enough. Like, it, it, it took itself just a little bit too seriously without having any redeeming absurd qualities that you would expect from a movie about a shark with two heads you're completely what's right frustrating I mean, is they made a puppet they made a two-headed shark because they use it in those close-up shots but they don't yeah. show it enough do you think and, they and, just had one shark though and they just kind of <laughs> i've actually seen the photos of it if you go on the asylum social media it's in their office so like it's just hanging out so yeah, it, well, and it, it was exists. and it was it was it was made by creature designer Cleve Hall, whose uh, IMDb informs me that he is known as the Goth Mister Rogers. Hey man, don't be mean. I would love to get Cleve on this show. Oh, certainly not. I'm I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> at first I was like, all right, who is this Joker? And then I looked at his IMDb page and sort of his body of work and was like, I want to be best friends with Cleve Hall to be honest. <laughs> like well, this guy, he, he Ryan, worked on you live in um, the city of dreams. Make it happen. Be Cleve well, there Hall's we go. Best friend. Absolutely. Why do I live in Why do I live in LA if not to make friends with the Goth Mister Rogers? Um, no, completely. I'm, I'm completely earnest. I I, 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 kind of love this guy. Okay. Um, so is two headed shark attack fun bad or bad bad? I'm gonna. It have made to go me with laugh. Bad, bad. I would say it's fun bad. It I it, it got a laugh out of me during the threesome scene because oh that I, was great. I, I I had a big old horse laugh because I realized yes naturally this is what will happen. Um, but I I it grieves me to say so. I think it's just it's just shy of being good bad. So if, it's... if, it, if it went a little more gonzo and committed a little more and didn't give me as much exposition that I didn't care about. I I would have I I would have been like you know I I would put this up there. So it's Bud the Chud territory. No, it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> no, 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 certainly not. I would never dream of impugning two-headed shark attack by comparing it to Bud the Chud. So um, it's Island of Doctor Moreau bad. Oh, I would say it's no. better than Island of Doctor Moreau. Certainly, because oh, it's a, easily better. It's a coherent narrative. <laughs> yes, I could, f I could follow what was happening in any way. Um, I do think between this and a series of Undertaker matches, I would probably rather watch the Undertaker. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. Big Boot, what do you think, Undertaker or Two Headed Sharks? Well, we, you know, it's you know, the Undertaker really should be significantly higher than forty-eight, but I'll, I'll let you guys slide on that. 
Okay. Well, and of course, because this DVD was only the Buried Alive matches. If this had just been sort of a best of Undertaker, it would be way, way higher. No, I, I think that's a good spot. I think it it is absolutely not better than anything involving the Undertaker, but it is definitely so, better than most things involving Val Kilmer. So, <laughs> so just barely in the yeah. top 50 at number 49 is two is Two-Headed Shark Attack. So, real yeah. quick question uh, before we start wrapping up. If there was a Battle Royale match of daughters of classic era wrestlers, who would mm-hmm. win? Brooke Hogan, Noel Foley, Charlotte Flair, or Natalia? Oh, Charlotte would clean house. I don't know. I think it would be Natalia all the way. I'd love for it to be uh, Noel Foley, simply because I'd like you know her to get at some pointers off her dad's uh, early career. Right. But uh, no, Natalia all the way. Natalia uh, that's is fair. just a, an absolute badass. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and Charlotte, that's I mean, fair. Charlotte Flair is fantastic. I, I remember when she first came up on NXT, mm-hmm. probably three, maybe even four years ago now. She was awful. They had to get her dad in to come and do promos. Oh, and yeah. Rick Flair's promos have been awful for about the last 25 years. Mm hmm. Um, but she she's great. She like got better every week, and uh, oh, yeah. she's fantastic. But Natalia is by far the best wrestler out of all of them. Yeah, that's actually I can't I can't disagree with that. She is fantastic. So Big Boot, thank you so much for for coming on the show and hanging out with us and putting up. No, with you're our welcome. Man. Thank you very much for the invite. This is this is the most horror I've partaken in uh, in a long time since I had kids, pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, that's our, <laughs> yeah, that's our mission um, no, is it's... just to to fill to flood people's lives with horror movies. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That, that that is a good mission. I think it so, is. Yeah, it I'm, is I'm, severely I'm hindered my socialization. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if it were possible, we would just go door to door and make people watch bad movies with us. No, like I can't go to dinner with friends anymore without saying, "Well, this week I watched Two Headed Shark Attack, and next week I'm going to watch Planet of the Sharks, and you know, <laughs> tonight I'm going to watch Zombies." You know, it's that kind of kind of thing. <laughs> You just slap so, into the room like a bat, yelling "Welcome to hell!" <laughs> and that's your family and friends. This is that this, this is Quincy now. This is this is your friend Quincy. So, Big Boot, where can our listeners find you and your awesome um, clothing online? Uh, we are um, Instagram uh, at Big Boot Leg Drop. Uh, Twitter is BBLTs. Um, the Instagram is Big Boot Leg Drop, all one word, and then Facebook, obviously, uh, is Big Boot Leg Drop, four separate words. Um, our store is currently closed. Um, we 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 are always being chased by the WWE's legal department. Um, <laughs> right. You know, our, our thing is, you know, bootleg T-shirts of old school wrestlers that look like punk and metal band shirts. So, you know, we we use a lot of imagery that doesn't belong to us. Um, and we get a lot of letters um, from either from some wrestlers directly. We we try our best to not, you know, to not do anything of people that have their own things for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not trying to rip anyone off. We're not trying to step on anyone's toes. We just wanted to make stuff that was really fun. Um, and so we our, our store is currently closed. But if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, we open our store up occasionally. Um, around the time of big pay-per-views, have a bit of fun, maybe put some shirts out. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, good shit. 
And the best thing about Big Boots Tees is uh, you can go to a show with a gobbledygooker uh, GG Allen mashup and a Too Sweet Me Bro will not too sweet you. I can speak to that <laughs> from experience. I think my favorite might actually be the uh, the Brian Pillman shirt that just says Pillman in the in the font from uh, Bleach by Nirvana. Yes. Yeah. yeah I also the, have the uh, the Kurt Angle yeah. Integrity shirt, and I'm gonna wear that to um, a hardcore wrestling match this weekend, and I'm super excited about. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. No, that, that, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, uh, like I say, we we get to um, do you know wrestling shirts are lame. You know, that's yes. one of the reasons why we wanted to, why myself and Leg Drop wanted to do them. Wrestling shirts are lame. And Absolutely. we wanted to wear wrestling shirts that were cool, and punk shirts are cool. So, yeah. you know, my, my favorite is probably uh, the, the uh, too cool De La Soul mashup that we did. Oh, yeah, yeah, with all of them, um, like, sort of leering in toward the camera, like on the, yeah, De La Soul album. Yeah, yeah, um, which is one of my favorites. And we did uh, a Public Enemy public enemy mashup <laughs> which is the natural thing to do by the way is just put public yeah, enemy yeah well, we there. actually we actually we bootlegged a bootleg public enemy shirt it wasn't even an image from a from a legit public enemy shirt it was like a crappy bootleg public enemy shirt that i found in a thrift store and was like i'm going to bootleg this bootleg so excellent so can you shoot on the mic with us can you hint at any future drops uh, is anything in the pipelines uh, there is. We, we've got um, yeah. We've we've got a couple of designs probably um, probably later on in the summer, um, maybe July or August. We'll, we'll put a couple things out. We just yeah. We, we we slowed it down a little bit. We you know we put out four or five new shirts a month for the better part of two years. Um, so we put out a lot of stuff. So yeah, we we needed to slow it down a little bit. And um, but we'll have we'll have new stuff out for sure, and the store will open up again. Um, sporadically pretty soon so people should definitely still still follow our social media for sure start yeah. saving up your pennies boys and girls because you're gonna get some really awesome shirts coming yeah up. cool wrestling shirts you know who'd have thunk it right i mean right <laughs> it's it's just crazy enough to work <laughs> exactly yeah this just might work <laughs> My God. so hey y'all either that or the the uh, the Dudley Boy shirt with the uh, the black flag logo on a tie dye shirt like that's I want to show up to a local show in that fucking shirt. That that yeah that's that's absolutely um, that was I think one of if not the first shirt we did. Excellent. Um, so yeah, that one that one's been around for a while. Any any reason to get a tie dye shirt as far as oh I'm yeah, concerned. I'm I'm a mark for tie dye anyway so. Good. So speaking of marks, we want you to be marks for us. Um, Follow us on Twitter. We're pretty active. Uh, we're at Rank and Vilecast. Uh, we're also on Instagram now. Uh, that got started this week. We're at Rank and Vile. We sank the real handle, so go us. Uh, yeah. We also sank the handle on Tumblr, but the Tumblr isn't activated, isn't updated very often. Um, if you want to see our list, we have a very skeletal list on Tumblr. But our listener Dustin has a pretty updated list on Letterboxd. Uh, so if you go on Letterboxd, you can find our list as well. And um, we'll try to retweet some more links to that. Um, we also have a Gmail account. If you're an indie filmmaker like Drew or The Asylum, 
and you want us to talk about your movie and whether your movie is better than House of a Thousand Corpses or not, uh, that's a great <laughs> thing to put on the front of your DVD. I'm just saying, shoot us an yep. email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. If you're a listener and you have requests, please keep sending those to us. We are reading them. We've just got a pile of movies to work our way through, and we promise we'll get them and we'll read your name on the air. And hey, if you have any thoughts, comments, things you like us doing, things you would want us to stop if you want to gently remind us to stop talking about wrestling um <laughs> that won't fall on entirely deaf ears so shoot us an email yeah i, I think we're going to keep talking about wrestling sporadically until people actually get annoyed and tell us to stop and then we'll look like slapped puppies about it and fucking quit no we're going to keep doing it forever <laughs> yeah we're going to keep doing it. that's yeah let's be honest we know who we are so hey we're on <laughs> itunes at uh rank and vile so if you could rate and review us tell your friends that would be super awesome and we're also on rank yeah all right thanks a lot guys thanks have a great week 